Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 411 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is the American Dream, and our guest is Martha Yamas. Martha is a survivor of domestic violence and was shot by her violent ex-boyfriend and left for dead. She does not think the responsibility lies with the guns, but with the owners and wants to promote a healthy dialogue in the support of Second Amendment rights. Martha is an inspiring immigrant woman from Jalisco, Mexico, and has transited her humble beginnings to manifest the American dream. Escaping poverty and domestic abuse, she journeyed to the U.S. enduring hardship to create a better life for herself and her family. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Very honored to be with you guys. I admire you guys a lot. Thank you. I'm right back at you. I, you know, we've known each other for a while. We end up uh, traveling in the same circles and, you know, we keep saying, I got to have you on the show. And finally, <laughs> finally, our finally. calendars uh, <laughs> coincided. Yep. A few years we've been seeing each other for a few years and I always admire you all the things you're doing and I'm like I have to go to her show I have but one of my dreams I'm going to be in her show one of these days and finally <laughs> oh. we're making it happen oh I just love it well your story honestly should be made into a movie like oh. somebody or or it should be one of those um what are those shows on tv where it's like a real life uh drama every week oh um, lord <laughs> Uh, because many people, honestly, you have such a, a, a long and, and varied story of, of trial and success, but many people who have been victimized by crime, violent crime, as you were, they seem to become anti-gun. Like they, they feel like this never would have happened to me if guns didn't exist, but you consider yourself a survivor and you live your life as a survivor and as a builder of things and a helper of others, and you are an advocate for the second amendment. So I Correct. just wonder, is there a correlation between those two mindsets, the victim mindset and the survivor mindset? Well, I would say there's, there's different things in my, in my, my family, they're hunters, of course. Uh, my brothers, they always love to go hunting. They're you know, I grew up with guns uh, and, and living in the life of uh, having a gun next to me all the time. And I like the, the guy who shot me, he was a big drug lord and he always carried guns. He always carried guns. And growing up like that, I was like, and my sisters actually, they're afraid of guns. 
I'm not. And they never got shot. So I'd say if you're, you have to be very strong and you should not be afraid of the guns because it's not the guns, it's the people behind the guns. I seen this crazy dude who shot me with tons of guns and the guns don't do anything unless he's, you know, psycho crazy, mm-hmm. whatever. And there, he, he never owned a legal gun. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, he wasn't legally allowed to own a gun in the first place. No, he was not. And I could tell you, he would buy any gun he wanted in downtown LA. I mean, here in South Phoenix, anywhere. And they, he would buy it and he would erase the, the, the serial numbers and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And a lot so, of people do that. Yeah, so, which is another felony charge. Right, so all the laws... Oh. didn't stop him from living his life of crime all of the laws didn't stop him from acquiring firearms in la in los angeles right right? yes and all the laws didn't prevent him from almost taking your life exactly which is a lot a lot of people don't get that i mean i as a good citizen i i own guns and all my guns are registered Mm-hmm. The government knows every gun I have because they're undermining. Mm-hmm. But right. those people, they don't. Right. Like because I mean, laws aren't going to stop them. So I, I just, I have to dig in a little bit about what the heck is a nice girl like you doing with a dude who's breaking the law left, right, and center and leaves you for dead after putting a bullet in you. Like what, what the heck was going okay. on? You, that is not you today. I know it's it's another lot. It was, I'm living a different life now. Well, I, I I came here to the United States when I was 11 years old. My mom brought us all with she got us all passports. Her running away from domestic violence herself from my father. Mm-hmm. So she left my dad when she was 30, and I uh, she came to Mexico across the border like Nogales, Sonora. And she lived there for four years. And after four years, uh, she got us all passport. And then we came to the United States and because she was a single mother of eight and she had to work two jobs. So we grew up in South Phoenix with zero, uh, like uh, at eight o'clock or six o'clock, you have to have dinner, blah, blah, blah. No, it was on our own. So mm-hmm. I grew up in South Phoenix and living like a wild child. I didn't have any rules, but the best thing, I never used any drugs. I never drank. I never did anything bad. It was just happy child. By the age of 17, I was getting, I, I started a, a food fight in the cafeteria and I got kicked out <laughs> <laughs> and I got suspended for two weeks, three months before I was going to graduate. Oh, and, and, and I'm like, okay, so that's not for me. My mom got so upset that she told me, okay. If you don't want to go to school, you need to find a husband who can support you. This is the mentality mm-hmm. that in the Hispanic community still exists. If you don't like school, you need to find somebody who can support you. Mm-hmm. And I was tired of uh, uh, partying with my friends. I was 17 years old. I lived a whole life already. Mm-hmm. So one and then one night there was this party and it was uh, it was like a, a quinceañera and and I when I mean this guy he had a, a gun in his belt and he was very attractive big tall guy and and I'm like 
he's a nice guy it looks like right he's perfect for me he can support me he could right. you know it's 10 right. years older than me no 15 years older than me and I fell in love with him he was mm -hmm. 15 years older than me and he just talked to me nice and and loved me and three months later I was moving in with him but I didn't know I was moving with the devil because from here he took me to California and three months later, I found out that he was a very aggressive person mm. and he started, you know, harassing me, beating me. I mean, if, if any woman goes through rape, beat, anything, torture, I went through that. It, it was very, I, I tried to run probably like 10 times and he will always find me and bring me back and lock me up mm -hmm. it was one of those things that he would when we would fall asleep he would put handcuffs on me so I don't go out or if I'd move he would feel it mm -hmm. and uh, I, we were surrounded by his family so I didn't have any family close to me uh, he took me away from my family and I was literally kidnapped and for four years wow I mean I uh, I a year later, I ended up having my first child. Then three years later, I had the second child. And I was back and forth because he was in the, in the drug business. We would travel every six months. We would back and forth to California and, and, and Arizona. And now my son was four years old and I had it. I could not take it anymore because he was getting more aggressive. I mean, he used to torture me for like 12 hours. Oh he he would just put the gun through my mouth and tell me, well, you have to tell me who's this guy that you're looking at or that kind of extremely jealous person. And and he would just do so many bad things to me that he he just mentally myself, I had to block myself mm -hmm. from pain mm -hmm. and from thinking that I'm going to die. I was like ready to die every Every day that he would get crazy and starts beating me, I was ready to die. It was like, okay, I'm ready. What's it was it was very traumatic. But and then the day that everything kind of came to a head or the night, whatever it was, wasn't your child sitting right next to you when when this person shot you? It was on a Wednesday at 6 p.m. on October 1996. Mm -hmm. He came over drunk and all drugged up. And he says, pack your stuff. We're going back to California. I was then already leaving with my mom in the apartment and, and my brothers were with me. I had three children. I was taking care of my, my, my sister's children and my two boys. And I was by myself and he came very, very upset, very, you know, and he says, pack your stuff. We're moving back to California. And I says, no more. I can't take this anymore. I started fighting back. And of course, I always had a gun with me. He always carried his. And I grabbed my 45 and I tell him, if you touch me one more time, this is it. I'm done with this. I, I can't take it anymore. It was one of those desperation moments. Mm -hmm. I remember a week ago, I was, I was looking, I was reading about uh, shelters for domestic violence. I was like, maybe if I disappear and I just go hide there. And a week before that, and I'm like, I was so scared, so afraid of him. I cannot even open or, or look through the window because he would be watching me. That's how bad it was. Mm -hmm. and, and then that night he comes and I grabbed a gun and I said, 
if you touch me one more time, I'm going to, I'm going to defend myself. So I grabbed my gun and I, because he's carrying my eight month baby, my little baby in his arms and mm. I shoot to the floor and I says, that's it. I'm serious now. So when I shoot to the floor, then he like shakes up like, oh, she's serious. And then he, he grabs my baby and throws it into the bed. And when he throws my baby, I just turn around and see where the baby landed. And as soon as I turn around, he jump and start uh, on top of me and throws me into the bed and starts beating me with the back of the gun and, and, and starts hitting me and doing all kinds of things. And all of a sudden he hits me on my left shoulder and then cross my back. So he shoots me and, and all I just hear, you know, when it, it, you go numbed and I'm like, what just happened? And my baby was behind me. Oh, and wow. I just sat up from the bed and looked out where my baby was. And I saw him full of blood oh. because he shot me. And then I'm yes. like, oh, my God. And and I thought it was my baby who was got hurt. And then he gets up. He looks all the blood and everything. And I start screaming. I says, please let me live for my babies. And I see the other children crying, my baby crying. And it's a it's a chaos. It's a mess. And and then he shakes up and and looks up and that's when you see the devil in his eyes and mm -hmm. and turns around and takes off mm -hmm. and then I sit up and and I see you know I feel just very hot no pain just very my back very hot like bleeding a lot and um and then I just uh, you know call 911 and that was it five minutes later I just they tell me walk out and you walk out the door and I just stand outside in the it was in the second floor stand outside and wait for the ambulance and all I hear police and ambulance and then I passed out the next thing I remember is the next day in the hospital opening my eyes with my family next to me wow. and that was the old Martha <laughs> yes I'm tired and now I know right wow and you know what a, a horrible event yes but but that was your gateway to freedom from this man. I, when I woke up in the hospital, I felt like a ton of bricks fell off of my back. And I'm like, I started smiling. I says, oh my God, I made it. That's oh. all I said. And my mom was, my sisters were holding my hands and, and I'm like, oh, that was it. It was for me. It was like, oh my God, no more. Yeah. And that's yeah. how I felt. Because so, you knew uh, that he would run and he would stay away from you because now he's afraid that you're going to call the police for attempted murder. Is that kind I of thought he was he was caught. I yeah. thought he was caught. I thought he was gonna he's in jail and and then mm. few a week later I found out that he was not in jail. So they had to police was protecting me mm. and they took they told me you cannot be in this apartment, you have to move out and you have to go to a safer place. So that's what they did for a month uh, after I got better. And after that, I was on my own. And he literally disappeared for a few for a few years. I didn't know anything about him. And I'm like, okay. So I was mentally, because I already was prepared. He, I don't know, maybe he prepared me to be stronger. <laughs> but right. I was mentally prepared since I'm ready. What's next? You're not gonna, you're not gonna torture me anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. And that's that's what. I think all those times he used to beat me mm -hmm. and, and, and torture me. And I was training myself on not to be afraid. Right. I was ready. Goodness. And, and so you were able to, I mean, you have such a, 
such a vivacious spirit, right? And you have such a, like you just said, what's next? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? Yes. Not like running from something, but running towards what's better. And that is so inspiring. And I, I just love it. And then you've got these little children. Yes. This is their father. They're free from that too, though. That's true. He signed the ticket. That's a messy situation. <laughs> yeah, it is actually the the I didn't have time to feel petty for myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't have time to say, "Oh, poor Martha," mm-hmm. blah blah blah. No, because my mother was the same way. Mm-hmm. My mother, you know, she was kidnapped when she was eleven, and my dad was thirty. And at the age of fourteen, she was start. She was having babies every wow. two years. She will have a baby. And she never told us anything negative about my dad. Wow. I mean, she was like, no, I have to bring food to the table. Well, let's go pick up the, the crop. Let's go do clean the clothes in the river. Because I grew up after seven in the mountains. I call my husband. I'm a hillbilly. I know. I used to I used to wash my clothes at the age five at the river. So I'm, I'm very, I think I get that from my mother. <laughs> They're very strong. So after I got shot, a month later, I had two boys. And one of the things that I remember is still as of today. And I says, what do I do, mom? Do I go apply for food stamps? I mean, I don't know. I, you know, in the 90s or in the Hispanic community or in the poor communities, they tell you, the more kids you have, the more money you get from the government. Mm. And I'm like, you know that, mm-hmm. you know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's how we grew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's real. And my mom says, you know what? No, I don't want you to ask for handouts. You need to go get a job. My mom was working in this cleaning company. And I says, Martha, can you, can you use your arm now? I said, still hurts, but I can still work. I can, I can move my arm. So you're going to start working with me. And this is an, uh, cleaning toilets. And I says, okay, let's do it. So we, we uh, living in this, my mom's friend's house. We were living in one room. It was my three little brothers, my mom, and my two kids and myself in one bedroom. So we would take turns to, to sleep in 47th Avenue in, in Thomas, one of the houses somewhere around there. We rented this room. And, and we started working. And, and when I, uh, a month later, I started working. And when I got the first, my first check, there was $300 for two weeks. It was just like, oh, there we go. I got money. I don't, I, I got money on my own. And it was another piece of freedom. Yeah. It was like, oh my God, I can go buy McDonald's to my kids. I can do this. I can do that. And it was just another step to more freedom. And I loved my job so much that I moved up. I Six months later, I became a night crew supervisor. Then a year later, uh, a day porter supervisor. Then three years later, I, I'm running the company. I'm, 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 I'm like falling in love with all my clients. And this is where I met my husband. I was like, literally falling like, in love with your clients. <laughs> literally. <laughs> and, and, uh, and four years later, I was running everything my my boss didn't speak Spanish and 95% of the employees didn't speak English so it was perfect for me so he was actually you know I was running his company and and after four years I says I'm done I'm ready to buy my own company 
This is in 1999, 2000. And by then I was dating my, my husband now, Ron, Ron Pickner. And, uh, and we were living together. And, and I told him all the troubles that my boss was having. And, and he says, well, let's, why don't we make a proposal and buy him out? And we did in 2002, I was, we were blessed to buy our own janitorial company. I started with, uh, we started with 10 employees. Uh, from eight hours a day, I went to 16 hours a day working. Yeah. I mean, day yeah. and night. Five, yeah. uh, in, in 2005, we paid all the loans. We paid all the company. By then, I already had 70 people working for me. Wow. No way. You don't, when you own a business, you don't work. Oh. <laughs> yeah. mm. You know, you just sit all back you and do is work, money. Right? Oh, work. God. No. No, there's a very rough oh, time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you go from times. eight hours to 20 hours yeah. overnight. Yeah. Literally, yeah. during the day, I would take care of the clients, and at night, I would take care of the employees. Right. Yeah. And my husband would take care of the payroll, the numbers, and all that stuff. And we made it, we made it a very successful um, business. And I can say that I would, uh, I consider myself very successful. I've been running it for 20 years. Wow. And, uh, and I, the number one in, in the, in the United States as a franchisee. That's awesome. fantastic. Well, tell us the name of your business. It's Janet King, DBA, MNR Inc. It's Martha and Rod, but it's, it's a yeah. franchise. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very, it's, it's fun for me. Cause that's a nationwide Not, brand, right? Janet King. It's, it's actually worldwide brand. Wow. It's like a McDonald's, but when yeah. you own a McDonald's, so it, the Janet King is in Brazil and Europe and Mexico, all over the world. Awesome. And you are but the I number can, one. In... I can say I've, I've lasted for the longest time. I'm the number one. And I build over, over two, I'm uh, almost over 2 million a year since 2003. Awesome. Wow. So I clean a lot of toilets. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? We do what we need to do, right? I mean, we have that really? same entrepreneurial spirit. And I think that's one of the things that, that drew us to each other because you know, we, of course, we like to, to enjoy the spoils of our, our work and, and dress well and that, but we clean toilets sometimes. And I right? move yes. furniture. And, I move furniture. <laughs> and you move furniture. At 67. So yeah, in 120 degree heat in the summer, because you, that's what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, the, and this is the beauty of this country. Mm -hmm. I'm a high school dropout. Mm -hmm. I don't have a degree of business. I don't have, it's just, if you work hard, if you work hard and, and you are proud of what you are and what you can do, I mean, anything can happen. And that's just what I tell everyone that since day one, that when I bought my business, uh, one of the things I do a lot, and it's helping my people learn English, helping them become U.S. citizens and be independent. And actually, I have beautiful stories. One of my one of my supervisors that works for me, she's been with me for 17 years. And she, I, I, I help her get out of the Section A system of the government, the food stamps, the everything. She bought her house in 2006, I mean, 2005. And she's a single mother and she had five kids. So I can say, um, you know, and her name is Christina. And Christina, you can get out of the system. Yeah. Because when you're in the system, they cut your wings. Right. They, they, they don't they don't they don't let you be independent because you're waiting every month for that check. 
Yeah. And it's yeah. not right. It's not, I'd say that's government abuse. Right. And they, also, they, they penalize you too when you when you try to work by taking away you know some what? of your, you know. And I and I live that every day because some of my employees they cannot work more than four hours. And I just pull my hair. It's like, really? If they work six hours, then the get the check get, gets cuts back. Right. I'm like, my God, this is this is crazy. So Why the government they... isn't encouraging anybody to get off of the government umbilical cord, no. right? Otherwise, they would structure it differently and exactly. say, we're going to reward you for trying to better yourself and wean right. off of the government support. It yeah. really is a trap. Yeah. It is a big trap. And remember what my mom said. It's like, don't get handouts. You get, you go work for whatever you want. And that's what, that's what I do all the time with my own employees, but people that I, that I, that I talk to or people, they look up to me and they want to, Martha, what do I do? So this is the example I tell them all the time. And, and it's been a, a marvelous ride for me and, and, you know, being independent, being a businesswoman and, and, and I talk to a lot of women, especially in domestic violence. I says, look at me. Yeah. I, I'm no different than you. And I did it and I did it working in the lowest paying jobs, you know, right. And, so and your, I'm, first, I'm, your first generation, um, yes. immigrant, right. Yes. So you are female, you are a minority or Hispanic. So there are people just using megaphones right now saying you can't get ahead in this country because we're so instilled in racism and, you know, the man won't let you get ahead and on and on and on. And you are a stereotype, just shatterer. And I feel like, you know, there are more of people with your story than we're, we're ever going to know, but you're still very rare. Um, but I just wish that, that more people could break that that mental cage that they're in that is is believing that all those lies that say you are impossible how are you possible because i i think it's because i don't i don't believe in like okay because you're white you're better than me i don't believe that we're all humans exactly you have the same capability as i do i don't care the color of your skin Exactly. It doesn't matter that I don't understand. I'm with you. Like, you know, because you're black, you're Hispanic. I'm like, what does that has to do with anything? Just be good or bad. I mean, what I, I, you know, I have a lot of black friends and, 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 and I, we always argue. I says, can I call you, you know, those words that you use because I'm Hispanic or because I'm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand that part. I don't see you as a different person because you're white. I just see your heart yeah. and, and if you're good or bad. I, for me, that doesn't go. I don't understand that part. Mm -hmm. I just, and that is the big problem right now that in our party or, or in the division in America, it's like, oh, because you're Hispanic. And I get that a lot in my business. I says, Martha, you can apply for the government uh, and work for the government because you're Hispanic. I says, no. You hire me because I do a good job, not because I'm I'm Hispanic and I'm a woman. If right. I don't use me as a trap, 
And by yeah. the way, I don't like to work with the government because they're so cheap and they never pay good. So right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, Martha, right. I was uh, I was raised in South Phoenix. Okay, so uh, way south, and uh, there was every color of person there. You know, we were Please. mixed really bad. And the ones that depended on the government are still depending on the government. The ones that said no, I want a job, which there was a few. They are the mm -hmm. ones that got out of there. And, <laughs> You know, so totally. I what the first, the first. Uh, my mom brought us when I in Thirteenth Street and Broadway. Mm -hmm. I was literally fighting with the black folks there because I didn't yeah. speak English, and I was like literally physically fighting to earn my way into living in that in those neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So right. I, I literally, yeah. I, you know what I mean, right? It was a Back battle. The, it was yeah. It was yeah. battle. That's it. Yeah. And I learned the hard way. Right. But yeah, that's that's what I think. I mean, it's just for me, there's no black, white, and brown. You're good, you're right. bad, and 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 that's it. Yeah. This and is you America. Your, you owe exactly. your mom for giving you the drive to get out. Yeah. And that's yes. my my if anything that my mom and dad gave me is because we were very poor, is get out and make a living. Yeah. And exactly. When I was a, a late teens, I was making more money than my dad. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> So, but that's the drive, you know, he, he gave me that drive to work. So what about yes. your children then? Are they involved in your business? Are they, what, what path have they chosen? The older one, it's, it's working with us. So he's involved in our business and the youngest one, actually he's in the army. Oh. He joined, he, he, he's a, he's a very proud uh, army guy. And right now he's in Poland. I think he's been wow. uh, for the last, three years so oh. he just fell in love with the with the with the military and he's just my army boy awesome. <laughs> he's well, 20 26 years old and he's you. loving he's he's living the life and he's loving every minute and he's very passionate about guns too my both of my boys they love guns how about your husband my... how about your husband is he a gun guy too no he's not actually i gave him as a, as a present i gave him a shotgun uh like 10 years ago and he hasn't used it <laughs> well you know but, what it's okay because he he's not yeah. trying to take your rights or my rights away just because he doesn't care for them you know that's, he that's... he doesn't care but he loves them he he doesn't use them as a uh yeah. or he but he yeah. he respects that and, right. and I, I have guns and he doesn't care. He loves them too, but well, he's he not is. like a, like my kids that they want to go, uh, you know, practice or they want to go, you know, shoot some targets or something. My husband yeah. is not like that. He's yeah. an engineer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys are business people. Cause that's like us. Even when we had our gun shop our retail gun shop, people were like, Oh, you're probably out shooting all the time. We're like, we work. That's what we do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I haven't went shooting in a long time. Way true. too long. It's so, true. But I love it. I know. So, and your husband is a huge history buff. And so yes. when I'm looking at, you know, your son, his stepson, I, 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 you all met so young that he probably just sees your husband as the dad, his, his totally. dad, period. My right? kids don't know any other dad. Yeah. They, they and, only know Ron, my husband. And so and I, I, I I'm see- sorry. No, you go ahead. So in, when when uh, when my sons were 
well, the, the, when I 18, I said, son, if you want to know, well, this, let me, let me go back a little bit. When, when in 2005, when I bought the business, I paid the business, then a lot of uh, the franchisor wanted to t know about my life story. And I never brought what happened to me. I'm like, because I was busy working. I never had time to think back. And in 2006, they did an interview on me and, and they wanted to take me to national TV in the Hispanic community. And I did, and I'm like, wait a minute, my kids never knew what happened to me. Because I bury it, literally. Not even my husband knew about it, the details, because I didn't want to talk about it. Nobody knew except my mom and my families. And, and I'd never told them about all the details until when they interviewed me 10 years later. And I'm like, holy shit, now I have to tell my boys what he's, <laughs> what the real dad did to me. And Yikes. that was, that was a big, a big uh, shocking thing for me, opening the Pandora box mm -hmm. and start talking. That was my therapy. That was after 10 years talking about everything that happened to me. So when my kids turned 18, I told them, you are more than welcome to look back into your past life. If you want to talk to your dad, the what the, the, the sperm donor, I told him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you are more than welcome. Just never bring them to my life. And my, my youngest son says, mother, I only have one father and it's my dad. I don't want to, if I ever see that crazy dude, I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> so he says, no, 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 don't do that. But that was, that was, that was his response. That was his response. And he says, I don't have another dad, but one dad. So wow. we're very proud of both of them. Absolutely. Well, so then I'm looking at, you know, your son, the younger son, he's gone to the army. And I know just from our relationship, you know, off air, you and I, that your husband is a huge history buff. Yes. So I'm totally. wondering if, if that connection to, you know, he, he collects stuff from the revolutionary war and, and, you know, George Washington and all of that, if that has given your sons a, a completely different appreciation for where this country started and what it was built for and, you know, all those things that maybe they wouldn't have had um, without your husband and, and his passion. Yes, that's one thing that uh, I love about him, that he talks about history all the time. And, and I'm in love with history. I, I love this country so much. I'm, I'm very thankful with that, that, you know, we grew up, my kids grew up and learning about all the paintings, all the, uh, you know, daguerreotypes, the, the, the paper, the, you know, the constitution, everything. I mean, they grew up, uh, my, my son's favorite president is Teddy Roosevelt because he was a rough rider, a gun owner, <laughs> everything in between, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, they, we love that. And, and Ron taught us so much. And, you know, I, yeah, he's, he's great on that. He, he has, and, and the club, he, there's a big club, it's called American Political Item Collectors. And there's like 2000 members all over the United States and they collect everything that has to do with, with politicals. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter what. Well, so. we, you know, being in the auction business, but it just having to oh. have a, a connection and, and sort of a, a layman's understanding of, of history all by itself. You know, I think that sounds like an interesting uh, club for us to check out. 
but um, you really, you can't, you really can't study our founding without <gasps> having an appreciation and a respect for what was intended, what was accomplished. Um, and, and nowadays to hear this sort of Marxist I ideology trying to paint who we are as a nation through this lens of Marxism and, and vilify and make every single thing that, that America has ever done ugly and dirty and, and, you know, just steeped in hateful racism. It's like, no, that's, you are speaking a completely different language and it, it has to be this weird lens that, that we're looking through because that has not been our experience, obviously not your experience. I mean, in 2021, you, this high school dropout, first generation immigrant, you know, built your own way to own a business. You won a national award. That was, I never in a million years would respected that. Was... Talk, talk to us about this award. And you got to meet the president of the United States. Oh my God. It was while you it were was, accepting this award, right? Actually, it was before that I met the president like three, four times. But let, let me go back a little bit. And uh, I'm, I was, when I was running my business, it was great until 2012, right? That's okay. when the president back in the day, it was Obama, uh, mm -hmm. 2012 says, if you have more than 60 employees, you need to remember that famous mm -hmm. saying. Yes. So that's what I'm like, what in the world that government is telling me what to do now? I was not involved in politics back in the day. I was just running my business, doing my, doing my thing that I do best, right? right? And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I asked my husband, I says, so now I have to cut back people? I had 70 people. I literally, in few months, I had to figure out, we had to come up with a figure out or put them in part-time, lay off people because this is a janitorial business. We cannot afford to buy insurance for all of them, right? you right. know? It was, right. this is, but it was affordable order. healthcare, right? It, I mean, right. Affordable it, was, it was so health. crazy. And I says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get to meet every single politician and see who's getting into my business. Right. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, uh, this is, you know, Darla Gonzalez, right? Mm -hmm. And I, she was back in the day says, Darla, what is going on? Why are we, why is the government telling me what to do? Mm -hmm. I don't, they do their business, I do mine. So that's when I started getting involved into this. Okay, first I met Governor Ducey. Mm -hmm. Then I met the, the local uh, representatives. And, and, and then I'll, when I started meeting them, then I, they, they started asking me about my life story. And that's what I'm like, I don't, you know, don't get into my business. And I told them about my life story. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So the politicians started getting more interested in getting to know me because I, I know the Hispanic community, I have a big following and, and I know a lot of businesses and you know how politicians are, right? Oh, yep. So, okay, so then after being local here to 2014, 2015, 2000, then the President Trump started running and, and then I got attention nationally. So at first I met uh, uh, 
the senators. Then I met the vice president. I got a round table with the vice president, Mike, uh, Mike Pence, uh, wow. to represent the Spanish, the Hispanic community, business owners. And they, I told them what I do. I says, I'm, I'm very passionate about my country. I'm living my American dream and I'm trying to help everyone to do it the right way, become U.S. citizens, learn English, blend in and, and, and love this country. And that's what I did for many, many, many years. And I, I told that to vice president. Then after that, I got called to the White House. And you and went I to the actual to, White House. To I went Trump. to the White House. In, you didn't come to an event where you were. You went to the White House to meet Trump. I went to the White House in, in, with the group. And, and you and, need and to make a movie of your life. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, this is amazing. I'm working on my book. <laughs> yes. Go on. I'm so, sorry. I interrupted so you. In 2020, I got invited to the White House. And, and then what happened? That was in February. In 2020, in March, then COVID happens. Everything gets locked up, right? <laughs> so two weeks later, and I'm like, holy cow, now what happens? So everything gets shut down and I, we come back, I come back home and I says, and one of my friends said, Martha, did you get to meet the president? No, he was somewhere in India uh, praying or something. And I says, but when he comes back, he's going to come and get me and, he, and, and ask to, for me to be there with him. That's I just, that's a joke. I said that and I'm like, okay, cool. So in the meantime, I reinvented my business. I said, okay, what are we doing to help others? To help the businesses. So my husband did research and we we work and then, then I started doing fogging. I says, I'm gonna be a soldier killing these little things that we cannot even see because we clean hospitals, we we do terminal cleans, we we disinfect things. So my husband bought this equipment and I made a I, I built a team of people so I can Smart. start working with the with the facilities and started disinfecting. So I did a commercial. Uh, I did, um, you know, and then the clients will lay off people and they says, Martha, somebody had COVID here. So can you come and disinfect and fog? I actually made money while, you know, COVID was happening. Right. Very and, clever. And it, it, it's like, okay. So that's when I started my other business at the Yamas production. Cause I said, everybody's sitting at home. What are they doing? Just watching TV and their phones. So I'm going to yep. start a media company. Yep. <laughs> Or I'm going to get involved with somebody who knows what to do. And that's when I started the Yamas production company. It. And then in in, two, in in March, I don't know if you remember, uh, the first time President Trump got out of the White House, it was in March, and he came here to Honeywell to open the big facility when they were making masks. So, and I was there, I was there to represent the Hispanic community in Arizona and all that stuff. So that was wow. the other time I met him. Wow. And then in September, he did a round table with the, the Hispanic community. I think you were there in the audience. It was in September, but there was 12 uh, Hispanic, uh, you know, representatives of Arizona. And, and I was there and I told President Trump my, for in five minutes, my whole life story. And, and actually that Dinesh D'Souza, you know him? Mm -hmm. Remember? Yep. Okay. He grabbed my piece, my five minute piece and put it on his website. And he said, this is how, what did he say? He, he made it sound so cool that it was like, it went viral. Two million people saw that video and I'm like, holy cow. 
that amazing. was crazy. That's so amazing. That was that's my run with the politicians. Remember when I said in 2012, I'm gonna go all the way to the top. I'm gonna yeah. get to meet every politician so they can hear what they're doing to my business. Yeah, and it happened. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Like you just manifest whatever it is you're you're heading towards. So, yes. So you we have a a president who's a minority and he's hurting the exact population that he's supposed to help. So then we have President Trump who's not a minority but a business person and then he actually, you know, even through COVID and everything else, under yes. his presidency, your business thrives again, right? And now yes. here we are again. <laughs> now this guy it's not about being a minority, but you know, it that party, that Democratic party, I just not my democratic neighbor, but this party platform, it's like, they just want to crush small business. I don't know that they know they're doing that. I don't know if that's what their intention is, but that's the actual result of it. Is it and that's it. Crazy? The expenses are out of control. The regulations are job killing. Because we're giving too many handouts, giving too many handouts. We're not know. letting it's people just... go out and do what you did. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, they want to pamper you. They want to, they want to, oh, no, no, don't worry. I'll, I'll give you money. That's how not, I feel. It, they want to control I, you. It's not they want, you. they want to control you. you. Yeah. Exactly. And, and a lot of people don't have common sense, unfortunately, right. that to say, no, I don't right. want this. I, I, I can do it on my own. And it's for generations. I'm for, I grew up not here in the United States and I feel very sad and sorry for people who are fourth generation they still have that mentality oh I you know my grandpa used to get food stamps how I need to keep doing that and I see that very mm -hmm. often in my own community because mm -hmm. I I remember saying I remember talking to my friends or or my mom's friends saying if you have more children the government's going to give yeah. you more checks four hundred dollars per children I have five children can you imagine no. And I'm like, oh no. And that is the no, mentality in the in the poor communities. It doesn't right. matter what race, what color you are, anything. It just right. it just the poor mentality. Right. And so that's the government so the government will give you just enough money to get you to get by, barely get by, mm -hmm. and keep you down and then punish you if you try to do better. Yeah. Um, and that's the problem. But if people break free from that, whether it's say eight hundred dollars a month or whatever they get break free from that and make 12, 1500 or more, then they can be free. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that is, that is my, my bandera. That's what I, I talk to all the women out there that I see they're struggling and they're doing, and they want to get out of the system. Yeah. I, I hold their hands okay. and I says, you move on. Yes. Don't, don't give up that easy. Don't give up your freedom. Well, thank yeah. you I, for you, Martha. I, I have a friend, Martha, that came, came here when he was like seven with his family from Mexico illegally he came here and he you know he, so he's seven years old and he's he's in his 40s now has his own family he's never taken a penny handout when he became an adult but he's struggling yeah. because he's afraid if he goes to try to get in the system correct if it doesn't go they'll make him leave and then leave his kids here but he's struggling with that, but he's a, he's a hard worker and he's doing the best he can. And it's good. There's, there's people out there that really want to be better and they don't want a government handout. Exactly. And, and, you know, there's some myth out there. Uh, unfortunately, um, 
a lot of our our friends they don't know how hard it is for uh, people that are illegally here they've been here for more than 30 years illegally but they run million dollar companies yeah and and, and they're good citizens and this is one of the things that for the last you know few years i'm like why in the world we don't fix the immigration system you know, just let's come up with the plan. The problem is there. Now we have to find a solution. Right, and right. and the government is missing in so much because yeah. if they bring these people out of the shadows. Yeah. They get yeah. they start getting they, they start paying Social Security. They start paying taxes and they they become good citizens. Get rid of the bad people. Yeah. Get rid of all the criminals, all the gangs. Get rid of the killers. Yeah. I mean, get them out of this country. But there's yeah. a lot of good people that are here working their butts off, but they're so afraid of, of, of coming out of the shadows. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, that's crazy. it's so crazy. We can talk yeah. forever. About I that. know it is a, it's a tough, that whole thing is a tough problem. And then when there's so, such a surge right now of, of people busting through our borders, now people are just so mad. American citizens <laughs> are just so mad that they can't even think logically about you know, how to solve the problem. And they're stereotyping them. We'll, uh, you know, that's they're, true. They're, they're stereotyping. We, Instead of thinking there are some good people that are coming across, right. they're saying they're all bad. Yeah, and that is and the, the sad part. Like, yeah. And the other side's like, no, they're all just wonderful, beautiful people. And it's like, and that's wrong. No, that is, not. that is, <laughs> you know, hey, remember 9-11? They yeah, were all, exactly. those people were here legally with passports. Exactly. They didn't cross exactly. the border. Exactly. Yeah. All right, we've got to wrap up. Okay. So I, I just wanted to say that I, I said in 2021, you were honored with an award and got to meet some amazing people, but your award was called the champion of freedom award, champion of freedom, the champion of freedom award by uh, Rick Scott gave me the honor to, to give me that medal for all the things that I've been doing with my community. And it was just you know, President Trump actually was the first one who get to get that award by Rick Scott. Oh, and wow. that was the second one. And, and there was another uh, uh, person from uh, Venezuela who got the, the other award. And, and they're doing it now every year, this award. So I'd say, I was the second one. President Trump was the first one. I was the second one. So awesome. That <laughs> Martha, is awesome. You are that just is, amazing. I, that I, is, that is, God has blessed you. I want to so just touch ways. her so I can get some I that know. magic. <laughs> I need some of that magic. Bring it on. You know? <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for all you do, for being such an inspiration, for giving to your community. I don't even like to say giving back to your community. I just say giving to your community. Yeah and building other people up, the next generation, and tell folks, just as we close out, how they can follow you and continue following this amazing journey that you're on. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's been an amazing ride. They can go to my website, MarthaYamas.com. They can see all the things I'm doing there. And I'm working on my book now. And I'm going to work right now on a different calendar so I can at least have one hour a day to talk to any woman it can be uh, from domestic violence or any woman who wants to start their own business or just, you know, a girl's one-on-one -on -one and, and just lift them up and say, if you're down at this time, at this day, I have time for one hour for you. Just call me and we'll chat like a couple of girlfriends and, and, and lift you up or you lift me up. I'm never down. If I'm down, 
I will hide, but I am yep. very, <laughs> very, very proactive and very, very happy. And I, I want to give that back to, to anybody who needs energy. So absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again. And I'm sure we will have you back on. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. What a story. Huh? What a story. Holy and cow. people are crying because they can't make it. And but she, you know, she has to go through uh like, abuse. Give shot. her give her an excuse why you can't. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. try that on Martha. Yeah. Well, I can't because mm, no, I'm sorry. That's not that's not acceptable. There is a way. So you can't because you won't. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, we are way over way time, over. but how could I have cut anything? From uh, that conversation, and you barely got a word in. I didn't need it. I, I, I enjoyed listening to what she had to say. Incredible. You know, it just knows that there, the dreams are still out there, and the dreams work if you just you just apply them. I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm, and then I'm the inspired. government doesn't try to stop us from doing it. <clears throat> that's the big problem. And, yeah, the bigger the government, the smaller the <clears throat> citizen. I think that's Dennis Prager who says that. And it, why are this true? Why is it that the I hate to say it, but the Democratic Party is oppressing their people. I don't know. And that's the odd thing is because the Democratic Party, when I was growing up, when we were growing up, they were for like the blue collar worker and trying to, you know, fight back against all the big cats, the fat cats. And um, I, I don't understand what has happened. That... I do. The blue collar people ran out of money supporting all their welfare. And now they're going after the big people to get the welfare. I mean, I guess, but, but why anyway. would they, it seems they've embraced Marxism and Marxism is a very class based system right. where you're going to have the absolutely have nothings and the people who have everything and, right. and the people who have everything crush historically, the people who, who have nothing. And it's, it's a very sad moment in history, and I, I really wish that we had a very strong Democratic Party and a very strong Republican Party and a very strong Libertarian Party, and that tension between the three was all still focused on supporting, the protecting, and defending our Constitution. Right. And, that and is who wouldn't love right now? Who wouldn't love a Democrat that followed the Constitution? Right. Right. I don't care that, what your label right. is. I, I, Just I don't care if you're white, brown, green, yellow, Democrat, Republican, right. independent. If you follow the Constitution, you're my guy. Exactly. Our girl. Okay. All right. Got to get out of here. Thank you so much to our amazing guest, Martha Yamas. Thank you to our, our listeners, our viewers who are all across the planet. Like she yep. says that she's part of Janie King, which is a, a global uh, company. Well, we are a global um, presence. Everywhere there is internet, uh, people are seeking out the information that we share on this show with these amazing subject matter experts. And uh, Martha needs a reality show. That's the word I couldn't think of at the reality beginning. Show, she needs yeah. her own reality show. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I, I don't like reality shows because they're not reality. I know, but if hers was real. I yeah, but they don't, they don't show. do that, though. I don't even they don't do that. Anyway, um, thank you so much uh, for spending time with us. If you want to watch this show over or watch any of our videos, go to uh, YouTube or GunStreamer or the smartphone app um, that will any place that streams videos. 
uh, you can find us. And when you get there, please click the subscribe and the notification button because that tells those platforms that you want this information that is valuable to you. And that uh, helps us hedge against being canceled, which is kind of the big thing right now is right. If you don't like what somebody says, cancel them. Awesome. Um, if you want to listen to the audio only version of any of these shows, go to our website, gunfreedomradio.com, click the on demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content, darling. <laughs> that was a little over the top. Just a little. Binge listen to your heart's content, darling. That was a little under the top. Binge listens to your heart content, darling. Nice. I like it. All right. And if you want to see the photos and bios and works of all of the guests that we've ever had on, click the guest tab. It's a wonderful resource. It's ever growing. And when you spend time there, we don't hate that. But it's time for us to pray for our nation. It is. And pray for our leaders. Leaders, right? Anyone who's in a leadership position. Like and Martha. right, right. It doesn't have to be a political leadership position. Right, exactly. But what about those few out there somewhere, maybe that we don't like too much? Do we well, first of all, too? there's not a few. Okay. <laughs> but do we pray for them too? Oh, of course we do. Maybe especially for them, right? Especially. All right. Until next time, be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Bye-bye.